Hello, my name is Sarah and this is my podcast. It's called Magnetic North and it's stuff that I've written. Some of it's autobiographical and some of it's written as performance and some of it is both. This one is a short story. I hope you like it. It's called Remember This. It was hard to know exactly when it all began. Just when it felt like the moment had been pinned down and exact timings established, at that moment the revolving door would spin once more in her mind and the exact chronology was lost again in vague impressions and half-remembered instances. The year was an absolute. She knew this for sure. It must have been 1983. September, probably. Almost certainly September, because that is when the term started and she first arrived. 1983, definitely, because that was the year she finished her A-levels and went to university. They had contrived to meet up in secret during the Christmas break after that first term, so it must have been 1983. It could not have been 1984, because he didn't make it to Christmas 1984. She hated all of it, that first term. She was homesick, furiously and desperately homesick. She missed her friends and her family. She missed her boyfriend and felt like she did not belong. Frantic phone calls were made from public phone boxes to her mum and to her boyfriend. Letters were written, tears were cried and beer was drunk. She hated nearly all of it, that first term. He was quite simply the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen. A second year student, eyes like a Siamese cat, blue-grey and gently slanted, cheekbones high and defined, mouth full and most often gently turned upwards, as if laughing at the world, which to be honest he usually was. His hair, well his hair was perfect. Not perfect as in done, as in a hairstyle, no, not like that. His hair was simply the closest thing to heaven she had ever come across. The colour was extraordinary. Ash blonde, not yellow, not grey. A pale, pale, multifaceted, otherworldly sheen, almost like feathers and short, really short. Yet not so short as to not have a slight curl. This was not a skinhead cut, not a crew cut. This was brand new, new grown, perfect baby curls on the head of a grown man. She should have known, should have realized that this angelic countenance was the harbinger of its exact opposite. His hair would cling to her fingers, the tiny curls wrapping themselves around them and holding on ever so gently until she made the effort to remove her hand from the soft and persistent embrace. She could not remember when she had first put her hand into his hair. She could not quite place how soon into their relationship she'd done the thing that she'd been thinking about doing from the very first moment she saw him. Maybe she'd simply done it, taken a handful of curls, 
done it without warning or overture, without it being part of any foreplay or expected intimacy, maybe she'd just taken a handful of curls and held them gently for a second. She couldn't remember. Neither could she remember the very last time she'd done it. The last time to hold that perfect softness in her hands as part of a shared moment. She couldn't remember the last time because when it happened, she had no way of knowing that it was, in fact, the last time. She could not remember, for the life of her, the moment that the much-missed and mooned-over boyfriend from home had receded to be a mere speck on the horizon, like the famous long, long tracking shot of Omar Sharif in Lawrence of Arabia, only in reverse. The boyfriend from home who had been so centre stage, clean focused in extreme close up and yet suddenly could have been but a fly hanging in the air in the far distance. Like something pointed out by another person that requires a screwing up of eyes with the effort to see and even then it could still have been imagination. He was gone, eclipsed from sight almost as if he had never existed. Ironic, really. Somewhere there are some photographs. The ones that had to be taken on film and then taken to be developed. The kind of photographs that you had no idea how they were going to look until they were placed back in your hand in one of those paper wallets, by which time you had paid for every single fuzzy, heads cropped off, poorly framed print. Somewhere there are those photographs. Those photographs developed months after the point when it became impossible for that person ever, ever to be photographed again. The Valentine's Day bop, all of them in fancy dress, laughing, embracing, vibrant, and not a single one of them more than 20 years old. Occasionally, she'd still look at those pictures and wonder if it was clear even then, months ahead of what happened. She would look to see if it was written on his face. Was it possible to tell? Something in the eyes, the Siamese cat eyes, the curl of the mouth, something, anything, that given closer attention, less of a starry-eyed, slavish belief in the ability of love to conquer all, might have warned her before the sky fell in. And try as she might, she never spotted anything. Not a single clue, no portents or premonitions. She never saw it coming. She never saw it coming because it could not possibly happen. She did not think it would happen because it was unthinkable. The clues in the word itself, unthinkable. Unthinkable, impossible to think of, and therefore it did not occur to her for a second. And looking back, the outcome seemed obvious, glaringly obvious with the inevitability of that unsinkable liner ploughing towards an iceberg. She was wearing her favourite shoes. They were pretty grey flats with slightly pointed toes, but the most delightful thing about them was that they were slingbacks. Slingback flats. 
sling back flats which to her mind were the very holy grail of 1980s footwear, giving that 80s does 50s vibe that she liked so much. The shoes made a sound as she walked, not quite the slap of flip-flops and not so much the shuffle made by fluffy mule slippers. They made a satisfying faint scooch noise on hard flooring and this was very shiny, very hard flooring and she softly scooched, scooched her way past the rows of doors towards the waiting area and sat down. It had been a while since she'd been there. A couple of months at least because of exams, maybe? Again, the details lost in the swirl of time, shock and denial. She remembered thinking that nothing much had changed since the last time she was there. Well, it doesn't in these places, does it? She'd been told to come this time. She'd been told to come straight away. Last time she'd been here, he'd walked with her and stopped halfway to the door and leant casually on the wall to say goodbye. They told her later that he'd stopped because he could walk no further and had never again been able to stand after that day. A nurse appeared and was smiling down at her. You have to come, she said, her face struggling and failing to suppress the widening grin. I know we said he was with the doctors and you'd have to wait, but he heard you walk past the room and now he wants to see you and we can't do anything with him until he does. And she laughed. <laughs> How about that for devotion? Recognising someone by the sound of their walk. I followed the nurse down the corridor as she walked ahead of me, shaking her head and laughing softly. The nurse tapped on the door and walked straight in. All right, sunshine, you can stop carrying on now. Here she is. And I was. There I was and there was he. Later, they called it brightening or rallying or sometimes the less poetic terminal lucidity. The sudden return to clarity by those very close to death. There I was and there was he. Conscious, coherent and really happy to see me. There was one week left.